Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Let's give it up for Brooke as she shared. She's no stranger to the house. Love what she said about the Holy Spirit. Um, We are diving in today to week number two of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about him as a friend like no other. Um, Some of the points from last week's message is that we need to learn to see the Holy Spirit as a person, that he is not an it or a force or a cloud. He is very much a person that we can experience friendship with the Holy Spirit. We also talked about how you can quench or grieve the Holy Spirit, and we've got to be careful that we, that we don't do that. He is a person with emotions. Um, and then we talked finally last week about how to deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we know that he is a teacher, so we should learn from him, and he is also a guide, which means we should follow him. Today, I want to talk to you about fresh wind, fresh wind. Look at your neighbor and tell them fresh wind. I'm excited about this message. Um, In the book, Fresh Air, the author, he expounds on how before the age of motorized boats that merchants, explorers, and sailors would rely on the wind to carry them from one place to another. And prior to the 20th century, all mariners feared one area known as the doldrums. Taken from the root word meaning dull or lifeless, this specific region along the equator was more feared than the Bermuda Triangle because of its windless conditions. Because of the way the earth rotates, the currents of the northern hemisphere would literally collide with the currents of the southern hemisphere. And it would cancel out one another, and it created this windless dead zone that trapped many ships. Unable to move, all they could do was hope for the wind to come again, for the wind to find their ship and to move it forward. I wonder how many today would say or describe that their season is similar to what I just described, that your life seems to be in the doldrums. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel lifeless. There's a dullness to your faith today, and you feel like you're unable to move forward. It's like your your ship is drifting, and you have no wind for yourselves. If you feel that way today, I've got good news for you because Jesus said nearly 2,000 years ago, he announced that his followers would have access to an advantage known as the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit today? I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. And we can take his word for it because Jesus knew the Holy Spirit better than anybody who has ever lived. After all, it was Jesus uh, there with the Holy Spirit 
at creation of the universe. It was Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin Mary. It was Jesus who was baptized by the Holy Spirit at the Jordan River. Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister to the broken and to the downtrodden. And it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And the real good news is, is the same Spirit that raised him from the dead now has taken up residence in you and I. The Holy Spirit, he's an ever-present help in the time of need. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's a constant help specifically for those who are experiencing the doldrums. He's able to do his best work when our cells are empty. It's why Jesus said in John chapter number 3, Verse number eight, he said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. The word translated spirit in the Old Testament is the word ruach, and in the New Testament, it is the word pneuma. Both mean breath or wind. And so, though uh, the Holy Spirit is a person, throughout Scripture, he reveals himself in pictures to help you and I grasp what he offers. From the beginning, he wanted us to clearly know that he comes as a breath of fresh air. But it also reveals why some of us struggle when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We struggle because, as Jesus noted, wind is unpredictable, as is the working of the Holy Spirit. And if I can be real honest this morning, I think a lot of people are missing out on so much because they only have space in their faith for what they can understand. We only have space in our faith for what we can understand, for what we can comprehend, and I'm not against logic or learning. I'm not saying that we should abandon logic or learning, but you are never going to fully grasp God. If you understand everything about your God, then your God is too small. We want God to do things according to our order, but if God is following our order, then he is isn't God, we are. But I came to announce to some people today that there is an intangible, unpredictable nature to God. We need to learn. We need to study. We need to take notes. There are some things, though, that that are taught, but there are other things that have to be caught. And I just want to know if there's some people in the room today that would say, I want to move beyond just some teaching and some notes, and I want to catch the wind. I want to catch the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, if you're going to praise him, give him a real praise. I love this because my my prayer today is more than you just get a little more knowledge about the Holy Spirit, 
but that you would have an understanding that the Holy Spirit was the wind that blew into the lungs of Adam and Eve that gave them life. It was the Holy Spirit who was the wind that receded the waters of Noah's flood, giving the earth new life. It was the wind of the Holy Spirit that split the Red Sea, allowing the Israelites to escape Egypt into their new life. It was the wind of the Holy Spirit that moved upon Elijah and allowed him to command that that this drought would be over and new life would begin. It was the wind of the Holy Spirit that in Acts chapter 2 filled an upper room baptizing disciples in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and it birthed the ministry that turned the world upside down. I'm telling you, we need a move of the Holy Spirit. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. As I've studied the Holy Spirit, it's become clear to me that there are some things that I can alleviate in my life by learning. Like just by learning, it will alleviate some things. There are some struggles that are defeated through discipline. I can get past some things through discipline. There are some seasons that can literally change for me through strategy. All of these things are true, but there are times when all that fails and what you need is the fresh wind from God to begin blowing in your life. The importance of this is highlighted at the moment after Jesus' resurrection. The disciples are filled with fear after Jesus had died. And they're flailing about, most most of them, with a broken faith. And, And because of this, they are not spreading the gospel. They are actually hiding out, the Bible says, behind locked doors, totally afraid, not advancing the message of Jesus. They, they, are, they are not organized for advancement. They're clueless and unable to, to even help one another. And Jesus shows up while they're in this condition. The resurrected Christ shows up, and he doesn't teach them a lesson. He doesn't call a meeting. He doesn't even have a counseling session with his followers, but look at what he does in this moment in John 20, verse 21. It says, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you may ask, why breathe on them? Because sometimes only fresh wind will do. Man, I have learned over the years, there's some things you can't counsel out. That's one of the most frustrating things about being a pastor is meeting with people over and over and over, and you finally come to a conclusion, these meetings are pointless. That there are times where you need the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to invade a space to produce breakthrough that we cannot strategize for, that we cannot plan for. How many are ready for God to move in such a way that in spite of your lack of planning and your discipline and your strategy, that the Holy Spirit can come in and open up a way where there was no way? 
And so he came in, Jesus, and he does not meet with them. He does not teach them. He, he breathes on them. He says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, there are moments where you and I have to understand that only the wind will clean out our home. That only the wind will propel you forward. That only the wind will push you out of the storm you find yourself in. That only the wind will bring a freshness to what has been been stale in your life. I got three points for you today because all good sermons have three points. I'm kidding. But let me give you three points today. Number one, fresh wind blows pollution out. Fresh wind blows pollution out. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Young's um, literal translation says, Having then these promises, beloved, may we cleanse ourselves from every pollution of flesh and spirit, perfecting sanctification in the fear of God. Now, this is the Young's literal translation, and and if I could sum it up for you, what, what he's saying here is to receive the promises of God, you have to leave the pollution of sin. If you're gonna access God's promises, there needs to be a coming out of the pollution of sin that you can't live any way you want to and expect to inherit the promises of God. That the promises of God are connected to your willingness to leave pollution behind. And so the word pollution, though, is interesting because it describes a very specific thing. Please hear what I'm about to say. It's not describing a sin of ignorance that you do something uh, not knowing it was wrong. That's not what this is talking about. It's not describing a sin of reaction, like you reacted poorly to a situation and you made a bad choice. The word described here, when it says pollution, it's sin that you and I stay in relationship with. That's what the pollution is. This is not you made a bad choice Tuesday afternoon. This is, this is the kind of thing that you have a relationship with. It's sin that you, you stay connected to. It's sin that you spend regular time with. It's not sin that we barely know. It's sin that we, we know all too well. It's, it's websites that you keep going back to. It's gossip that you keep making room for. It's lies that you tell over and over again. It's the substance that you feel like you can't do without. It's an attitude that you refuse to change. It's a relationship with something that you know is wrong, but you refuse to make it right. That is the pollution. You say, why are you talking like that to church people? Because church people are notorious for staying in relationship with things that they should not be in relationship with. The Holy Spirit speaking to some people right now about that thing that you in relationship with. And he's telling you to get rid of it, to walk away from it, to get it out of your heart, to get it out of your spirit. It's a relationship that we know something is wrong. We know we're not doing the right thing, but we refuse to make it right. 
Now, as I looked at some health risk in the natural as it relates to pollution, when, when you live in a polluted environment in the natural, there are some common threats to that. Pollution impairs vision. Pollution also constricts the lungs. And pollution, lastly, affects the heart. The natural, though, always mirrors the spiritual. Meaning when you stay in relationship with sin, do you know what happens? First, your spiritual vision will leave. You will no longer see what God sees for your life. Your outlook will turn negative. Have you ever met Christian people that only talked negative? The root of that is pollution in their spirit. Because when your spirit is polluted, your vision is impaired which means that I can't see what God has for me. I can't see what God is doing in my life. My perspective is off. My outlook is off. But when we get the pollution out, one of the first things that's restored is your spiritual vision to see what God has for you. How many believe that God has a vision for your life? Anybody believe that God has a vision for your life? I believe he has a vision for your life. Now, now so, so spiritual vision is impaired, but secondly, in the natural, with, with uh, pollution, your lungs are affected. They become constricted. And I think that's a picture of when we stay in relationship with polluted things, things that we should get out of our life, our worship becomes constricted. Our ability, that's why we can get up here and say, give your God a praise, And some people can't even muster up a clap. Because when you're living with a polluted heart, listen to me, when you're living with pollution in your life, your worship becomes constricted. And and, and part of the reason is because when you you have pollution, man, I, I didn't plan to say this, when you got the wrong things in your life, what happens is, is you come in and maybe you want to lift your hands and you want to give God a shout, but that, but you know, uh, that what you've been doing is off. You know the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you about it. And so instead of being able to worship God freely, you're trying to worship through condemnation. You're trying to worship through shame. You're trying to worship through guilt. And what it does is it constricts your worship. But I am looking for a church that can move into a place where our worship is not constricted, but our worship is free, our worship is loose, our worship is set setting people beside us free. Our worship is breaking chains. Our worship is causing devils to leave people. Our worship is bringing people out of addiction and bondage and mindsets and attitudes. But we can't do that for others if we can't get the pollution out. It impairs vision. It restricts our worship. And finally, our heart becomes hardened. When we don't get the pollution out, your heart, you, your heart becomes callous. And now you don't feel the presence of God. You don't sense the power of the Holy Spirit. You say things like, God's not speaking to me. God's not talking to me. It could be that there has been pollution in your heart. There's sin that you have been in relationship with that is constricting your relationship with God. Pastoring now for right at 15 years this fall. 
That's a long time. There are only one of two reasons someone stays polluted in sin. One, they don't want to leave it. I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt today. I'm going to say you're not in that camp. Or secondly, they don't know how to leave it. I'm going to assume that you are in the how group. The key or the secret to leaving sin is to embrace the Holy Spirit's conviction. I'm going to say it again. The key to breaking free from sin, to coming out of that, is to embrace the Holy Spirit's conviction. The Bible is very clear that those who believe in Jesus have been given a new nature, that they move from living in the flesh to living in the Spirit. Now, you may ask, does that mean that we completely lose our natural impulses or desires? No, we still live in physical bodies, and we have a physical brain that has been trained to think in certain habitual ways. Life in the Spirit, though, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, now becomes our desire. But that life is not automatically acquired. We must learn how to walk in in that newness of life. And what most people think, when they think of conviction, they think that is God making me feel bad for what I've done wrong. But you got to learn to think in a new way. That's not what conviction is. Conviction is best explained in Philippians 2.13 that says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's the Holy Spirit coming into your life through conviction that changes your desires. And not only does he change your want to and your desires, but he also gives you the power to live out those desires. When he convicts you, it's actually an invitation to change, but not just an invitation to change. He also gives you the power to make that change. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't matter how strong sin's grip is in your life. Conviction can break it because when the wind blows, it doesn't matter how addicted you are. When the wind blows, it doesn't matter what family you came from. When the wind blows, it doesn't matter how strong the chains have been on your life. When the wind blows, it can take away sin and habits and mindsets and bondages and curses and any other pollution that is keeping you from the promises of God. Anybody ready to receive the Holy Spirit today. That's what he wants to do. He blows pollution out. Secondly, fresh wind blows power in. He blows power in. We have such a misunderstanding of how God's power is displayed in our lives. We think of uh, God's power always, we always want to think it's an escape from problems. It's an escape from problems. That's, that's what we think. One of the best examples of God's power 
showing us this a little differently comes from Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me. I want you to listen to Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was on me. Now, you would think that's breakthrough, healing, miracles, deliverance, speaking in tongues, running around the church. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. Couple things I want you to see real quick. I want you to notice that the Lord is the one who set him in a valley. Sin didn't put Ezekiel in the valley. A wrong turn did not put Ezekiel in a valley. The enemy did not put Ezekiel in a valley. The Lord placed him in a valley full of bones. Now watch this. It's an immature faith that says valleys belong to the devil and mountaintops belong to God. A mature faith knows that whether I'm in the valley or on the mountaintop, if I'm in relationship with God, that he rules over everything, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And sometimes God will place you in a valley because he's more concerned with developing your character than delivering you comfort. I know this, this, is, this is not the thing that we get excited about, but you need to be reminded God is not a concierge. He is a creator, and he's always creating more character within us. The prophet Ezekiel, he has some flaws in his faith because if you read the text, if you read the passage, you notice that he looks around the valley at the dead, dry bones, and he is doubtful that anything good can come out of this situation. And here's the problem. Ezekiel is allowing his location to limit God's power. We do it all the time. We do. We look at our debt and say, we'll never get ahead. We look at all of the regrets in our life and say, I don't know how God could ever use me. We see pain and we think, I don't know how God could ever bring anything good out of this pain. And somehow we start to believe that peaks are proof of God's presence and our valleys are proof of God's absence. We think God's in the promotion, but not in the pain. That God's in the blessing, but he's not in the burden. But do I need to remind some people today that it was David that said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that God is with me. He had to learn that even in the valley, I, God 
is with me. It's why Paul wrote that his strength is actually made perfect when I'm weak. That it's not proof that God is not with me. It's proof that God is very much with me. It's why Ezekiel wrote in verse 5 of the same chapter. He said, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath. Come on, somebody. I'll make Holy Spirit enter you, and you will come to life. If, if you are in a valley, God is not at the peak waiting for you. He's in the valley pouring his power into you. This is for somebody today because it's in the valley of infertility that he will empower you with long-suffering. It's in the valley of a loveless marriage that God will empower you to remain faithful. It's in the valley of caregiving for someone close to you that he will empower you with patience. It's in the valley of criticism that he will empower you to stay focused on your calling. In this season, maybe you've wondered, where is God and where is his power? But the fact that you made it through another day, another week, and another month is proof that the wind is blowing in your life. You don't have to try harder. You have to keep trusting. You don't have to work for it. You just keep receiving it. He's teaching you to move from willpower to win power. Can I get a witness in the church today? I feel like preaching. The Holy Spirit is with you. Some of you are in a valley and you've been thinking, where is God? And I don't sense God and I don't understand this season, but it could it be that God placed you there? Because he's developing something in you that you can't see. I'm just going to go ahead and let the, let the cat out of the bag. When you come out on the other side, you're going to be a whole lot more powerful than you were before you ever went into that valley. Your perspective is going to be more in alignment with God and his will for your life. Fresh wind blows the pollution out. Fresh wind blows power in. And finally, fresh wind propels new seasons. Every season, spring, summer, fall, winter, they are all ushered in by the wind. In the natural, it is impossible for a season to change without the wind. The same is true in the spiritual, that seasons only change when fresh wind blows. A great picture of this is the life of David. He's at the end of a long, of a decade-long struggle, and it's time for David to become king, and nothing would show him being worthy of kingship more than defeating the Philistines. A big nationally publicized victory is exactly what would solidify his reign. And everyone is telling David to go to march to attack. But David, in spite of everybody saying, go for it, attack, march, go forward, defeat the enemy, David does something that we all need to learn to do. Instead of listening to all the voices, David went into a time of prayer. And as David prayed, he got a word back from God in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 24, and it says, as soon as you hear the sound of marching, 
in the tops of poplar trees. Move quickly. Because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. This is a crucial lesson because what David got in prayer was wait on the wind. Wait on the wind. I think that is for somebody here today that before you take the job, wait on the wind. Before you give up on the promise, wait on the wind. Before you take a situation into your own hands, wait on the wind. And the reason I say that is because anytime I try to change a season before the Holy Spirit does, it always brings destruction. And you may be thinking, I'm new to the Holy Spirit, Pastor, and, and how, you know, following the Holy Spirit and, and allowing Him to be my God, that's a stretch for me. It sounds a little crazy to me to completely entrust my life to the Holy Spirit. I can't even see Him, so how can I trust Him? What is my guarantee that the Holy Spirit will not misguide you or me? Jesus called Him the spirit of truth. In other words, he was saying, you can trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He has not been sent to lead you and I down the wrong path or to enable us to make wrong decisions. He only leads us into truth. So how do I find this fresh wind? Well, imagine it's not easy to do. Imagine trying to explain wind, natural wind, to a person who's never been outside. How I many of that's a difficult task? Because you can't see wind. It has a mind of its own. It comes, it blows, and trying to explain that to someone who has never been outside, instead of teaching them, how many know it would probably be best to say, hey, Walk outside with me. And when the wind blows, simply saying, that breeze that you feel, that is wind. I think it's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, as the worship team returns, he says, be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by him. Now, this, this scripture is, is coming, that the context is Paul is writing to Ephesus, which was a port city filled with sailors, all right? Now, you got to catch this. And the word filled in Greek is the, is the word pleroma, pleroma. It was a term used in sailing. Ships would line up, and it would be one sailor's responsibility to stand at the rear, and when he sensed the wind, he would signal the crew to open up their sail and allow the wind to fill the sail. And that's where some of you are. You came in today needing to catch the wind. You need the Holy Spirit to fill your life so that you can launch out into God's plan for your life. Now, 
you're not going to believe what they did with this because when they were ready to catch the wind, they would signal the opening of the sails by lifting their arms as high as they could and opening up their mouths. They would shout, Pleroma, or feel, and when they did, the sailor on the mast would open that sail and the wind would launch them forward. So Paul, he used this term to instruct those of us who need the wind to display that we need to surrender by lifting our hands up and we need to learn how to open up our mouths with praise. Your worship is signal for the wind of the Holy Spirit to begin blowing in your life. That, that's what they do. They would raise their hands and open up their mouths, and then the wind would catch the sails. And I wonder if I got any people in the house today that know how to lift their hands, that know how to open up their mouths. Come on, somebody, stand to your feet right now. That know how to open up their mouths because that is signal that the Holy Spirit can begin blowing in your life. Somebody give him praise in the house right now. Take just a minute. Give him some praise. That's an invitation. That's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to begin blowing in your life. Now watch this. I sense when I came into this place today, Pastor Karen said, you seem tense. <laughs> I am tense. Because I feel the weight of what I believe God wants to do. Last week, after the services, we, we received some messages of breakthrough, and there was one moment in the service where I just stopped preaching and, and just began to, to speak prophetically that there were some people in the room that God was about to open up a door that you'd been praying for, but he was about to open up something supernaturally, and no man would be able to shut it. And, and there was a couple that we had been praying for for at least a year, maybe longer. Um, and they, they emailed us this week and said, uh, Pastor, I just want you to know that word was for us because we finally got the call for the job we've been praying for. We're moving back home. We, we've been praying and praying, and it, it just all happened supernaturally. And, and so I, I'm saying there is something about the wind of the Holy Spirit that begins to push your life forward. And it's not because of your striving. It's not because of your discipline. It's because the Holy Spirit puts fresh wind in your cells. And so I, I have some clear instructions about this um, altar call today. Um, and I'm just going to get right to it. Um, I want the prayer team and the staff to go ahead and get in place. You guys can come get this, this podium. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Um, and, and I'm going to do a couple different things here. Because I, I really want people to encounter the Holy Spirit. As you open up your hearts and you lift your hands as they did in the natural. And you begin to declare, God, feel me. I believe that some of you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning. That you're going to speak in a language that you did not learn. As the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. And it's as simple 
as lifting your hands and saying, Jesus, fill me with this gift that you have promised. And watch what God will do. So here's what I want to do in the altar call. We have, we have some prayer team members that are on my right and on my left. But, but I know that sometimes we come into a church service like this and we feel like we need to respond. And I told you last week, I am so tired of cookie-cutter church. I, I am so bored with it, so tired. I'm exhausted with it. I'd rather go golfing than do cookie-cutter church. Say, Pastor, that, that ain't good. Yeah, it is. I'd rather be on the golf course, working on my seven iron, shaping it from right to left and left to right, than I would do cookie cutter church. Like, if we're going to come and go through motions, see y'all, peace. But if we're going to encounter God, I'd rather be here all day, every single day. Every single day. And so these altars are going to be open. If you need prayer or you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, you need God to do something, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can come to, to one of these prayer partners. They will pray with you and for you. But I also want to do something a little bit different because I realize some people want to respond to the word. They want to, they want to like, I, that's my word. I'm going to respond. I don't really need anybody praying for me. I just want to respond to the word. If that's you, I, I want you to know this whole front is wide open, and, and, and we won't come bother you. It can be just you and the Holy Spirit. You can spend some time in the presence of God. Is that all right today? Can we do that? I, I think these altars should be full. I, I, I think if your desire is that fresh wind come into your life, that the Holy Spirit come into your life, these altars, whether you need prayer or you just want to spend time going after God, these altars should be full. Now, before I release you to respond to that altar call, I want to ask you, if you're in this place today and you would say, Pastor, that sounds great, but I don't know Jesus. I'm far from God. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need to be saved. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? You say, I want to be saved today. Anyone at all. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Anyone at all. You say, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. Is there a hand over here? Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. Anyone else? Awesome. Come on, lift up this prayer together. We're all going to pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate with him this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Celebrate for him. Yes. Listen, if you made that decision, I want you to make your way to the connect table or the salvation table in the back of the room, my left, your right. Just make your way there. Uh, we got some information we want to put into your hands and a new Bible. Uh, we just want to love on you. Now, here's the altar call. If you need prayer or you just want to go after God today and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. One, two, three, move. Now's your time. Move.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.